0: Welcome back to Student Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we're in 1 John chapter 1. It reads, "...that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father, and was made manifest to us." That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ, and we're writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. to our ASM students as we've been walking through it this year. So the goal of our podcast is not going to be to reproduce what we've taught in 1 John during our normal ASM time, but instead to really just kind of focus on the one nugget of truth from each passage that we can look at to anchor our faith today. And so as we look at this here in chapter 1, the big aspect of what John is writing about is assuring these individuals of the faith that they have received and that they are walking in. He looks to ground that faith in the physical interactions that we see in the first several verses. We see that he speaks about how they have heard, so their ears have heard this, their eyes have seen it, which they have looked upon, so it's a deep gaze that's taken place. They've touched it concerning Jesus. That he has come into the world, that they've seen it, and they give testimony to that presence about the fact that he is the pathway to eternal life. So as John writes this, he writes this to combat the Gnostic influences that are taking place in his time. Remember, we talked in ASM about the fact that there is this new concept that is coming out that the spirit is good and the physical is bad. And so John is grounding these believers back in the fact that, no, Jesus was fully human, as well as being fully God. So we cannot deny the humanity of Jesus because they have experienced him in a physical opportunity. And it's not just an image. It's not just a dream. But physically, they saw him, they heard him, they touched him, they lived with him. And specifically, John can speak to that as one of the twelve disciples who spent the almost three years with him on his earthly ministry. There are others who could attest that, but John certainly is in a place where he can speak of the validity of Jesus' human nature. And he's doing this because he wants people to be able to be sure that Jesus was truly God and truly man and can then contain the pathway to eternal life. If either of those aspects are taken away, then their faith becomes something that is very weak because they don't have the assurance that Jesus is who he said he was or that even the testimonies that they've received about him are genuine and true. And so he writes to encourage these individuals who are struggling with this new thought that's coming into their minds. These people are teaching them one thing, but what they've heard and what they've lived has been something different. So what are they to do? How are they to respond? The first Example of what John gives them to do is to go back to the Word of God. What is it that they have heard, that they have seen, that they understand to be true about God and the way in which He has revealed Himself to all people, not just to this special elite people who claim to have the knowledge that He is going to combat throughout this letter? What is the gospel? How do they live and respond to the gospel? That's what John draws them back to. It should be the same for us. As we examine the different thoughts or teachings that are coming to us, that are teaching or speaking to realities of the Bible and the things of God, we need to be discerning in how we respond to them. We need to always be able to understand that if they depart from the truth that we see in God's Word, that they are false and that they should be treated as such. Sometimes we need to make sure that we're understanding correctly what the individual is saying. And so that could be asking important questions to make sure that we see the point that they're trying to make or the argument that they're trying to present. But after it's been made sure what that teaching is, we're to treat it according to the way in which it reflects the teaching of God's word. If it doesn't reflect what we see in God's word, we should be sure to speak against it so that we don't allow situations to come up, such as we have here in 1 John, where this erroneous teaching is damaging the faith of the believers. It's working against what God's people are trying to do because it's undermining the authority of the gospel and it's dampening their faith because they're left waffling between two things— Do they believe what they've heard before or do they need to follow this new teaching? We need to also understand that sometimes the novelty of a thought or the newness of something draws us to it in a way that can be not good for us. Think about it this way. Whenever a new item comes out, the newest iPhone, the newest car, the newest band, the newest whatever it is that is being talked about, that popular circles are looking to, that advertisers are pushing us to, whenever we experience those realities, we need to not be drawn in by the newness or the novelty of something. Because what's true is not going to change. And so if it's new and we're just drawn in by the newness of a thought or a teaching, we need to understand that just like the new things that come in waves to us whether they be technology or any other thing the novelty will wear off and then then people will be excited about the next new thing as christians we shouldn't be looking for the next new thing for our faith we need to understand that the power of the gospel is what will change our lives our hope of the gospel is what will allow us to endure the suffering and the different things that we experience each day. That God's Word does not change. We're not looking for a new thing to come and revolutionize our faith. What we're looking for is a deeper abiding and a deeper connection to God, to His Spirit, to His Word, that will allow us to understand the roots of the gospel, the foundation of the gospel, and how that impacts our life. And that's exactly what John tries to do here in chapter 1, is pointing us back to those realities and calling us to live in light of them as we experience different teachings in our day. As far as a question from this passage, I'd like for us to center in on verse 8. It says there, "...if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves." The thought behind this word helps us see that it's not others that are truly impacted by this, but mostly the individual who is deceiving themselves is really working against themselves. Literally, they're wronging themselves because of the stance that they have. It's easy sometimes to maybe trick other people into thinking something, to be able to display an outward attitude or to make it seem like things are going well But ultimately, by living that way, the damage is being done on the individual, not necessarily the others who are watching. The most significant hindrance is being caused to the person that is involved in the deception. Usually we have things like our conscience or other people who might mention points of our life and where they're directed and how they are pointing us away from what we're saying or what we're supposed to be doing. When we experience those and when we dull those voices, when we stop listening to them and instead choose to go forward in our own path, what we're doing is deceiving ourselves. We're tricking ourselves. We're wronging ourselves. We're walking in a way that we know is wrong, but continuing to do that without taking the advice from others or without taking an account of our own understanding of what's taking place. And so it's important for us to view The deception as that, deception of an individual is them hurting and wronging themselves. And so if we view somebody or if we come alongside somebody who is experiencing this, the most loving thing to do is to share the gospel for them, to point them in the right direction, to help them to see the way of their error, and to do so in a loving way. Hopefully they've invited us to be a part of that relationship with them. They've invited us to be a part of the accountability the authenticity that we have a seat at the table to have that discussion because we have a relationship with them and they've opened themselves up to the opportunity for others to speak into their life to provide guidance for them so hopefully we ourselves are not the people who are deceived and we're willing to walk alongside others who are experiencing this in the same way that john is doing in this passage and so as we think about that thought of deceiving ourselves usually we might think like oh hey they're tricking this other person shame on them for doing that. Really, the damage is done to the individual. And so we need to think about that as we interact with others who are responding to the gospel and who are seeking to truly understand what it is that God desires them to do. So as you read through this short passage today, hopefully you have a greater understanding of how you can anchor your faith. And as you come across questions that you would like to dive into, hopefully you are curiously studying God's word. As you do those things today, know you were loved. You